On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll delve into setbacks for George Springer and Mike Soroka. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, April 8th. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael, we have a lot of injury updates to get through. So get through them we shall. Let's start with uh, George Springer, who has been on the injured list uh, for the the short uh, portion of the season so far with an oblique injury. He had an MRI for another injury on Tuesday. He developed a tight quad, so uh, that is a situation we'll have to to monitor, uh, but obviously it looks like Springer's return will be uh, delayed due to this second issue. Uh, Aaron Judge did not play on Wednesday against the Orioles due to soreness in his side. Tim Anderson was placed on the injured list with a hamstring strain. Danny Mendick started in his place at shortstop against the Mariners on Wednesday. Dave Roberts said that Cody Bellinger is not going to play for the Dodgers on Friday. He's got that uh, contused calf, and the injured list is a possibility for Cody Bellinger. And we'll just continue on here with um, more bad news here. James Paxton placed on the injured list with a left forearm strain. LJ Newsom recall, but uh, according to MLB.com, it's actually going to be Nick Marjavicious taking Paxton's spot. So a lot there, Michael. Um, any thoughts on Marjavicious or on any of these other situations? Yeah, you know, I mean, Mark Vicious really isn't going to move the needle for me very much. Um, I think the one, if you asked me which one am I most concerned about, um, I guess it would be Paxton just because of the history and the forearm strain. We know that that often uh, is very bad news for a pitcher. Beyond him, I would say probably Judge just because this really goes back to the spring, right? Like he he missed the last couple of games of the spring when the Yankees were trotting out what looked like regular, um, regular season lineups and uh, he wasn't in there and then he left the one game early. Like there just feels like something's been going on here with Judge for longer uh, than just during the regular season. So that has me a little bit concerned. Obviously, we don't like any of these things that are going on for any of these guys. But if I really had to pick the one out that I would be most concerned with, I think Aaron Judge would be at the top of my list. Yeah, no, that is uh, definitely something uh, that looks looks worrisome. So uh, all these are things that we'll have to uh, track on a day-to-day and week-to-week week a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. And I'll just add one more to the list, and that's Mike Soroka. And, of course, he has not pitched yet this season. It wasn't really expected back until, really best-case scenario, maybe about the third week of the season as he's recovering from Achilles surgery. And now, um, just like Springer, he's dealing with a second injury. He's dealing with uh, some shoulder inflammation. So no timetable at all for Soroka. Not that we had a definitive one to start with, but uh, looks like... Uh, the best case scenario now for Soroka is certainly not going to happen. And a non-injury note here, Caleb Smith has been uh, moved to the bullpen from the Diamondbacks starting rotation. So no word yet in terms of who is going to replace Smith. Um, also, Smith really fills a, a, at least a short-term vacancy in that D-backs bullpen because Chris Devensky has been placed on the restricted list. But uh, Michael, I guess that there is an immediate impact here 
that it would seem to uh, really solidify the position of Taylor Wagner in that Arizona rotation. Yeah, I think you're right about that, right? I mean, we'll see what they end up doing in the rotation to fill Caleb Smith's spot or the spot that Caleb Smith vacated, but that's really the actionable thing here. Taylor Widener going to stick in the rotation, and so I think that we can take that forward and then start evaluating him as someone who is going to be a rotation member for the long haul here for Arizona. I will say really quickly on Soroka, the fact that he's got shoulder inflammation after having an Achilles injury, that's obviously a red flag. Um, you know, he is perhaps was ramping back up too fast. I mean, you just don't like to see that. You don't like to see a non-arm injury then eventually lead to an arm injury. So that is one that I would be concerned with as well. Yeah. And, you know, something we do see, uh, you know, not infrequently, uh, you know, whether it's a compensation issue, I'm not a medical doctor, so uh, I shouldn't even be speculating, but not a uh, PhD or anything. So yeah, I'm not going to be speculating either, but I know it's something we've seen before. (laughs) And so that has me concerned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, a lot of injuries there, but uh, we've, we've gotten through them. So uh, at least we, we can say that and move on to some some better developments here. Like, for example, Lorenzo Kane hitting his first, not only was well, first home run since 2019, but two home runs in a game against the Cubs. So we talked about this situation a couple of episodes back, Michael, where it looks like aside from Christian Yelich, there's a three outfielder rotation for those two remaining spots. So Kane certainly doing his part to uh, at least stay in that rotation, if not maybe get even a little bit more playing time. And uh, now it was Derek Van Riper joining me on uh, the, the most recent episode of Fantasy Baseball 15. And we talked about some streamers for Tuesday. And, you know, there wasn't really anybody that looked great, but probably the best option if you were if you were determined to stream somebody, it was going to be Justin Dunn. And he had an interesting start uh, against the White Sox because uh, he only gave up one hit in four and two-thirds innings, but he walked eight batters. So he was kind of going for the A.J. Burnett no-hitter there. Uh, and for yeah. those who may not get that reference uh, back in 2001, so hard to believe it's 20 years ago, uh, yeah, Burnett geez. had a no-hitter with nine walks. Edwin Jackson. Wasn't Edwin Jackson's like 10 or 8 also? His no uh, yeah, I, I don't remember what... the exact number, but yeah, yeah maybe I'm uh, putting this all a little bit too much on A.J. <laughs> Burnett's shoulders. <laughs> so, you know, intriguing, intriguing, because uh, the walk's obviously still a big problem for Dunn. In fact, even on the last episode, I said, well, you know, Dunn's facing the team that's got the biggest chase rate in the majors so far, but didn't really help him no. in this instance. But, uh, you know, we'll see if he can cut back on the walks while maintaining the run prevention in future starts. But uh, take a look at a, a couple of games here that had a number of interesting things. Uh, we had the Dodgers and the Athletics. Athletics finally getting in the win column. And Ramon Laureano now already up to four steals on the season. So that's certainly nice to see. He got a couple of swipes in that game uh, on Wednesday. But the bullpen situation was interesting, too, because uh, the A's had to come from behind. They were down by a run in the top of the eighth. And they brought Jake Diekman in, who by all accounts is the the closer, the interim closer for Trevor Rosenthal, who's considering thoracic outlet surgery. And, and that interim tag might might last for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. But he, so he came in in the top of the eighth with the A's down a run rather than maybe saving him for a potential, you know, tie or lead situation. Uh, but it was a couple of lefties, Gavin Lux and Zach McKinstry starting off that inning and then Lou Trevino coming into the ninth and, and eventually uh, Ismero Petit coming into the, the in the 10th inning. So I don't know if you read anything there. Uh, maybe it's just, a, again, a, a lefty-righty matchup kind of situation. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything to read into it either. Um, and maybe, you know, Bob Melvin's still figuring this out too. And, you know, he isn't exactly sure who is going to be in the ninth or if they're going to have someone dedicated to the ninth inning. And obviously this Trevor Rosenthal situation just happened for them. They've lost every game to this point, so he hasn't really had an opportunity to roll out his end of game and close bullpen plan. So I think it's way too early to try to draw any sort of conclusions from what we saw here. I would still be uh, targeting Diekman as the guy to have in this bullpen. It feels to me, and this is totally anecdotal, but it feels to me like we're seeing way more multi-inning appearances from relievers already early on this season. It's just, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen it in a lot of situations, and it hasn't just been in blowouts. We've seen it in you know close games, not necessarily one-run games, but we've certainly seen it in two- and three-run games, and, you know, we're, what, one week into the season, and I can already think off the top of my head of uh, at least, like, four or five situations where that has played out. I think that's maybe something that bears watching, that uh, a lot of teams maybe are going to adopt this strategy of, you know, we're trying to figure out how we're going to cover 1,400 innings. We know we're not going to have a ton of 180, 190 starters on our team. We don't want to tax every single guy in our bullpen uh, night in and night out, and maybe we're going to see more of these two, two and two third, three inning uh, relief stints from guys who prove that they can do it. I think it's something that bears watching. And if there are guys who are capable of doing that, might not be bad in the fantasy world if they're able to maintain solid ratios and give you some strikeout upside. Yeah, and I noticed that as well too. So like you said, uh, anecdotal at this point, certainly we can make that a more uh, (laughs) determined study, uh, especially as we you know, get deeper into the season and, and have more data. Um, it is, it's really interesting. And, you know, does that mean that um, these relievers and in later innings are actually just going to pitch more innings or does that maybe point towards more save sharing? So right. definitely something to watch. Uh, good, good call on your part, Michael, to, uh, to raise that. Uh, let's take a look at streamers for Thursday, some better options than we had for Wednesday uh, and a matchup that I think is really interesting with the Cubs and Pirates. You got Jake Arrieta and Tyler Anderson going against each other. It's a, a, a rematch of um, from Saturday, this past Saturday. You can make a case, I think, for either one. Just anybody gets the Pirates at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you could. And then Tyler Anderson, pretty good first start. Uh, 22 whiffs out of 91 pitches in that season debut. So do you like either, neither, or both? Yeah, you know, I, I do like uh, both of these guys, frankly. I, I think you could go in either direction. Uh, Ariette is a little easier, so I'll just make the case for Anderson. Um, the Cubs have looked pretty dreadful offensively I mean they're not hitting anything they are not getting hits they are taking walks and they're doing that fine but they are they are being way too passive they are working long counts they are letting a lot of hittable pitches go by uh, and and they're just not really doing much they're striking out a ton I mean this does not look like an offense that pitchers should be afraid of and that we in the fantasy world should be afraid of streaming against so I think Tyler Anderson is definitely someone who you can uh, take advantage of as a stream play uh, on Thursday. All right. Well, I'm going to put you in a difficult situation here, Michael, because uh, I'm just going to create a, a hypothetical that you can only stream one pitcher on Thursday and Griffin Canning is available. So <laughs> do you, you know take him I love over him. the other two? You know how I love Griffin Canning. I, 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 I can't do it against Toronto. I, I just can't do it. I, I cannot in good conscience recommend Griffin Canning against this Toronto lineup, even without George Springer getting back in it. Uh, so I would end up going with, I would go Arietta out of these three. I, I just feel like he's got the, the win upside uh, on his side more than anyone else does. All right. You didn't need, you didn't even hesitate there. So that's Big pretty Jake. meaningful. Sticking by Big Jake. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, let's just uh, take a quick look here at who's moving on the stock watch here. Three players who are up, three players who are down. Ryan McMahon certainly up. Three homer game this week uh, and uh, good stats overall. And a couple of pitchers who have now clocked in with two starts and looking really good so far. Nathan Avaldi and Matthew Boyd. So um, who would you prioritize here if they were available? I love seeing Boyd up. You know, I mean, I, I think all of us want Matthew Boyd to reach that 90th percentile level of his performance because even when he was down at the 20th percentile level, the strikeout stuff was there and he was missing a lot of bats. He was just also giving up a lot of damage when he was running into bats. So I would love for Matthew Boyd to be a thing. He's the one who I have my eye on the most. But really, I think all of these guys are worthy of chasing. If I didn't need pitching, if I wasn't prioritizing one need over the other. I rank him Boyd McMahon Yavaldi. All right. All right. And three players who are down. Keston Hira, Laody Tavares, both of them striking out uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. And Chris Bassett, who's now has also made his second start and been a couple of disappointing performances. So out of this group, who are you buying maybe from the nervous fantasy GM? Oof, I don't think anyone, Al, and the, the I, I'm, I'm afraid of Keston Hero right now, and uh, DVR and I, uh, a little bit later today, are going to be putting out an athletic fantasy baseball pod, and we're going to be talking about overreactions that we're actually comfortable making, and for mm. me, Keston Hira is right there, like... I mean, strikeouts were always a thing, even in 2019 when he broke out, 30.7% strikeout rate last year, 34.6. Now, what, 10 strikeouts and 16 plate appearances? I mean, I am absolutely terrified of what this is saying about Keston Hira and the player that he might be. He is someone who I, I have no interest in trying to get low on my team because I think that this strikeout thing could be messing with what could be a really great player. I just, I want no part of it. Yeah, I was excited about him this year, and uh, right now I'm at the very least having to look for reinforcements uh, on the teams where I've got them. So uh, I've got some work to do. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, you know how much we like it when you do that. So we greatly appreciate it, and thank you for that. Uh, So on that note, for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be right back here with you on Friday. 